0: Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing, You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. So today on the show, I am very excited to be chatting with Jessica Wenger-McFall. Jessica got her start making costumes for a small youth theater in Arizona when she was just 16. A few years later, she moved to LA to attend fashion school and has been working steadily in film and TV ever since. Starting out as an assistant costume designer, she quickly progressed to costume designer for films and TV. Projects have taken her to Seattle, New Orleans, New Mexico, Texas, and Washington DC. She loves the collaborative side of this business and bringing characters to life. She believes working with a creative team of people to bring an individual voice to each and every storyline is the best part of the business. Jessica has been in both the Costume Designers Guild and the Costumers Union for over a decade. Her work can also be seen on screens, in print, as well as digitally, and she considers herself extremely lucky to be a part of the House of Cards team that has received an Emmy nomination and back-to-back Costume Designers Guild Award nominations. She was part of the team, obviously, because, you know, it's not on anymore. During her years as a costume designer, she was identifying issues within fashion, which led to her next series of businesses as an entrepreneur. From custom suits to nude undergarments to masks during COVID, Jess has manufactured and made it all. Now, she's mostly focused on her nude shade lingerie company, Naked Rebellion. Their brand is focused on providing skin tone products for everybody on earth. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on Dear 20-something. Please welcome the one, the only, Jessica Wanker-McFall. Hi, Jess. Hi, Erica. I think I have to call you E the whole time. Though, I know. That's okay. So we're going to reveal a little <laughs> bit of a secret right now. You may have guessed from the revealing last name similarities, Jessica is my cousin slash big sister slash favorite person slash role model. And I'm very honored
1: to be chatting with her. I am so excited. like, And also just, I'm so proud of you and all of these things. And I think this is so incredible to be able to talk on this platform about my 20s with you who actually saw me living it which I think is like a really wild... Yeah, it's very meta. Hopefully I'm prepared for emotionally. (laughs) But I'm super excited about it. You are so inspiring. So I'm so excited to talk with you on this platform.
0: Well, you are the best. Jess has always been my biggest cheerleader and you know, when I was like a wee little 10 year old, which we will get into. She came to LA and has just absolutely taken over the world and been my biggest role model. And so I'm going to do my best. I just want to give a warning before we start. I'm going to do my best to be a good interviewer, ask the questions that I do already know a little bit and see where it takes us. So again, thanks Jess for coming on and, um, So excited to get to chat with you and get such an awesome guest on the show, The Family Connection. I was able to pull that card, guys. It does work sometimes. (laughs) Okay, so the first question, we'll get into obviously your 20s and all the things, but for every show, we start with a little bit of like a light question. So what is something new that you learned in this past week? It could be like a conversation you had. It could be maybe a realization about like a friend or a family member. It could be a book. It could be something one of the kids did. But something new that you learned in the past week? Well, my
1: three children teach me something new every twenty minutes. That's for sure. But but I'll keep it to like the major business lesson I learned this week because we'll get to it. But Naked Rebellion's in like a big growth and scale time right now, and so it's been just like we're just trimming the fat, and it's a really hard thing to do. And like my husband always calls it because he's he's a writer for film. He always calls it killing your darlings, like. And When it comes to a script, like it may be the, your favorite little scene or word, but like, does it actually add story value? No, you may have to kill your favorite thing. And so I think that that's what's happening. Like a lot of the business stuff that I built because I liked certain people or thought that what they were doing was helpful. I actually like have been able to take the emotion out of it. And through that lens be like, actually, you're draining the bank account. And we actually have to trim the fat and really scale and whatever. So. The best thing I did, and I think you'll be proud of me too, was we just found a shipper. And so I get to take everything finally out of my house and into a shipping facility. And it's a husband and wife owned. So again, woman owned, which is, again, we'll get to that, how important that is to me. But So trimming the fat and really getting the third-party resources to help a business grow is what this week's lesson was. That's
0: a really good one. And I know that's like a constant struggle. Like that's this week, you made a big choice, but you're going to have to keep working on it because we're people, people, you know, like, like you said, you love people, you want to work with amazing people, but whether it's like a platform with an amazing founder or like a teammate or whoever it is, like you like good people, but sometimes you have to look in the mirror and be like, this is not working or they are draining the bank account. And it's very hard, but I'm so proud of you. That's a big move. And I think the fulfillment thing, I know we talked about it, but it's so important. It's a terrible use of your time. Like it's good in the beginning because you want to get to know your customers and it's great to understand your product and like see, Oh, I'm shipping. How cool. I'm shipping to Idaho. I'm shipping to New York, but your time is spent on the business and the brains and the creative, not on packaging. So good job. Proud of you. Thanks. It was a big step,
1: but we did Yeah.
0: And you'll keep doing it. It's almost like, I feel like setting for me, at least, I try to do these like weekly check-ins where I look at my life, personally professionally, like what is taking away my energy, my resources, my all the things, because sometimes you can get so lost and caught up in it. Forget to do that.
1: Totally. And that's why I feel like I just like run a circus. So I just have been used to the circus mentality. (laughs) Like just chill. You don't have to do all of these things. Yeah,
0: absolutely. People are there to help you. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's a big one. Good. Well, I'm very proud of you. That's a big one. Okay. So we'll dive into 20s. Before we do that, I know your journey actually starts in the teens, like many people. So maybe we'll just start with sort of like, what did you want to be when you grew up? And then we'll get into high school, college.
1: I wanted to be a lot of things. I, early on, I heard my parents talking about going to like a dinner party or something. I mean, I was in middle school. Okay. And my dad is very much like in his zone and does his thing. And my mom has to be like, come on, let's go. Here's the things, here's the people. So she was going over the list of who was going to be like attending this dinner party. And I was listening to them talk about it. And it was like, so-and-so is going to be there and they're a doctor. And so-and-so is going to be there and they're a lawyer. And so-and-so is going to be there and they're a teacher. And I was like, people just get like one word answers now like you spend this whole life figuring out who you are and then society is going to label you with one word and I was like whoa that's so limiting that's not me so I kind of knew I always had to have lots of words to describe me and I've I kind of like take like a badge of honor if I if you have a hard time being like well Jessica does I want it to kind of be like oh there's a lot of things that she does because I never wanted to just be a one word answer I think what life is more than that and I try not to ever like just say people are one word answers also. So I don't know if that doesn't really answer your question, but like, I always knew that there's a lot of things I wanted to do. Cause I wasn't just interested in one thing. I was interested in tons of things. Like I felt like I was pretty good at math, but I was really good at art and I love performing. So like that's, a, that's not one job. That's a lot of things. So how do I figure out what that is? And now I understand that hats called entrepreneurship, <laughs> but at the time that, I mean, when I was in school, that wasn't a degree you could get. That wasn't a thing that especially women were even allowed to like entertain, you know. Anyways, I, I went on to that. So in all of those things that were I was interested in, in my teens, I performed and worked at the um, Valley Youth Theater in Arizona, which is awesome and actually put out quite a few famous people in, from Broadway to film to everything. So it was a really incredibly... Talented, gifted group of kids that I was able to be with. And it was like this creative space of like, go, do, be, you can. And it was almost like that permission at that age was a big deal. But the funny part of how I got started in what I'm doing now is that I'm 16 and I'm driving my dad's car and he had just gotten it cleaned. And it was like a big deal, right? Dad letting you drive a car. And my friend and I went to the mall, of course. That's what 16 year old girls do. And my friend got an iced tea we were driving around and i like made the turn and the ice tea didn't fit in the cup holder or whatever and it spilled inside my dad's car and we were like my dad's going to crucify me we are never going to be able to drive again like we're never going to the mall so we had just gone shopping and there was like a tiny little bag like i don't know hand sized little bag of something small that we bought and i like threw whatever we got into the back seat and started putting the ice cubes in this bag why that we thought that was a good idea. I don't know. Then the bag starts leaking, obviously. And I was like, no, I'm like, we can't throw it out the window. That's littering. Like it's a huge part of my life. We're not going to litter, but it's leaking. I'm like, my dad's going to kill me. I'm like, whatever. So I grab it and just toss it out the window, which is like, so against all my morals. And of course there was a cop right there. Oh my God. And he pulls me over and it's called, I don't know this story. You don't, it's called criminal littering. It is a criminal offense at 16 years old. So I'm like, no, my parents are absolutely going to murder me. I had a probation officer and I had to do 400 hours of community service at 16 years old. Okay. That's insane number of hours. Because of
0: tossing out a bag, like littering basically. Because <laughs> it's criminal littering. Yes. Oh my God.
1: Phoenix is crazy. This is Phoenix, by the way, everyone. Crazy. Well, this is Scottsdale, Scottsdale. So it's even crazier. Okay, yeah. And so at the time I was at the at at this youth theater, which is a nonprofit and everything. So they let me put all my hours towards working at the theater. And that's how I got started making costumes because they put, they needed help making costumes for the show that I wasn't in. So I literally just got to sit there and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea, but, oh, this is a job kind of thing. And that was literally my first start in costume design because of uh, my criminal littering ticket.
0: Wow. That is such a good story. I really didn't know that. That makes so much sense though. Were you thinking about doing the costume stuff at all before this incident or was it more like my friends are all in value theater and I have to pick one of the things like staging, costuming,
1: like how did that kind of go down and were you doing it before? Yeah, I was in some of the programs, but like I'm not main character material. Like, and I don't want that. It was never like a drive for me. I kind of wanted to like have a funny line and run off and that was kind of what I did and like my friends were in it like that's just I mean it was like dumb little roles but I never wanted to be like I was like I'm gonna be Ariel like that's not my thing I don't ever want to be that so it was just kind of like being but in that collaborative space like I knew I wanted to be around creatives and create something and I didn't need it to the focus never on me like I, I, I have way too much social anxiety to let that be something that I focused on But yeah, that was kind of how it started and just being in that room with everybody. And well, and then when I was in high school, I would like ditch class and just go to the art room. Like I would never leave school, but I would just be in the art room and like paint and do whatever. That was where somebody from a fashion school came in and like gave a presentation of like, here are the alternatives to college. My first eye-opening thing to that where I was like, people get paid to dress window displays. Are you joking me? That's a real job, you know? Was like, oh my god, I that I can do. I can put time into that. That's like the cliche phrase of like, do what you love. You never work yeah, a day in your life. Absolutely. Like, okay, I can dress a window. That's awesome. So that was my first intro into like, or like my eye opening experience, and like, there is fashion school. And my parents were like, a hell no, you're not going anywhere. You have a full ride to Arizona State. Like, college is free. You're staying here. That's what you're doing and I was like whatever it's fine i'll do that but like in my back of my brain was always fashion school and then i cut to going to asu and it was 13th grade it's one of the largest campuses in america and i couldn't walk to one class without seeing somebody i knew which i think most people would say is comforting but i needed a different experience like the oldest building in arizona was, was built in 1970 like there was just no roots there was no history that i needed that at that time in my life i needed to go somewhere so dude, my full ride at ASU, In the without telling anybody in that first semester, I applied to fashion school. I do all the portfolio work. I send it in. I apply for all the student aid and I get accepted. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Is this like October or like how many months into ASU? Yeah, we went to college starting August and this is like October. I'm like, I need to change. I get accepted November. And then I unenroll in December and then go home and tell my mom, hey, I unenrolled. It's just about to be Christmas time. I've got two days to move out of the dorm. Would you help me? And my mother didn't speak to me. Like, no words. But she's my mom and she loves me. And she knew, like, Jessica's driven. She's going to do it regardless. Drove to the dorm, still not speaking to me, helped me move out and then let me move to Los Angeles for fashion school, still not speaking to
0: me. That is so wild. I know. I know that was such a hard, hard, hard decision and hard time. It was weird. It was, yeah, weird. And it's almost like, I feel like if you had decided maybe before starting school, do you think it would have gone any differently? Or do you feel like it was, didn't matter really what it was. Fashion school was fashion school
1: and that was not the plan at all. Well, I have another side of of my family, not the one that we share, that was very much rooted in the traditional sense of education and that if you were going to be successful, you needed to have a bunch of abbreviations at the end of your signature, right? MDs, PAs, whatever you want at the end, that's how you be successful. Things are measured in healthcare and in caring for people. And every single person in that side of the family like wrote me a letter being like, you're ruining your life. You're not going to make any money. You need to go into pharmacy. All of these are really things that were like, good, those are great professions. But what you're telling me right now is that you don't know me. Like if you're asking me to be the caretaker for you, bad things are going to happen. (laughs) I am not a nurse. I shouldn't be filling your pharmacy prescription. I shouldn't be doing any of that. If heaven forbid you're sick, I'll be there with balloons and like be your cheerleader. I am not the caregiver. And so it kind of was this moment of like, all these people say they love me and they know me and know what's best for me, but they actually don't. And I really have to be true to myself and know I have to experience this and say, okay, they were right. Or, okay, yep, more stability is what's needed. But I needed to know, like, I know myself and I'm so grateful that my parents created an environment where I could experience me fully and like, it was okay. Whatever that experience was, even though maybe wasn't what they wanted, but they gave me the ability to experience and go figure out what is Jessica. And that was what I had to go do.
0: And I think you've always been that way. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's always that's so Jess. You know yourself so well. And I think that comment is so powerful, especially for people in their 20s. Like If someone is pushing you to do something that is just so clearly not you, they may love you, but they don't know you. And like, I think we have to like double down on that because I think a lot of times people do have good intentions. You know, I know that family just wanted you to be able to like take care of yourself and have maybe a more stable career path. And maybe the older generation that lived through the depression, like they're like, oh my God, you don't know. Hard times could be coming. Like it comes from good places. But I think acknowledging like they may love me, but they don't know me and I know me. And going to the people in your life that are like, disregard blood. It's the people who like love you and know you. It may be family. It may be friends. It may be a combo. But I think that that is like so important. It's something you've always been. I've always admired about you. You've always known yourself. You've been like, I am Jess. This is me. This doesn't feel right. And this does feel right. I think that's really very, very admirable.
1: Thank you. That's, it's definitely something that I I can't turn it off. You know, like, it's not like I try to come in and be this like bulldozer, but I just have to be true to it. And I hope that I'm raising my kids to see that too. Like you tell me what it is that you need to do and experience and be, and let's figure that out together. So I just think it's an important thing to like, you know, there's a lot of lessons out there to tell us to be other things or fit in boxes and you can make your own box. And-,
0: and you're still doing that now, you know? Like you followed obviously the costume designer path and you did it so beautifully, which we'll talk about. But like, even now you're creating your own multi-hyphenate titles and things and not everything fits into a perfect box. It's like, I'm an entrepreneur, but also a fashion entrepreneur. And oh, maybe one day I'll be a food entrepreneur. And maybe one day I'll be a food restaurant. I don't know, you'll, you'll change it day by day. But not feeling like you have to fit such a prescriptive box. And also overcoming maybe family expectations, which is something we have shared on, family, but different sides of family, just family expectations. And they have good intentions, but they don't always know you, you know, the way that you know you. Okay. So the crazy moment, and I will just say, guys, that I'm just going to timestamp myself into this because a lot of things are from my perspective. So I'm maybe like 10 years old and I know of like cool cousin Jess over in Arizona. And then all of a sudden it's like cool cousin Jess is moving to LA and it's like, wait, what? Okay, what's she gonna do? And so I know you start at Fitum and obviously you end up having such an amazing ride in LA and traveling all over. Can you tell everyone a little bit more about why you chose Fitum, how you liked Fitum, and then maybe like that those first couple jobs right out of school? And I think also figuring out like your lane within fashion school
1: because there's obviously a lot of things you can do. Yeah. When I was at ASU, Arizona State, I was majoring in interior design and my dad's an architect. So it was kind of was like still a way to be designery, right. And creating things, but like in a more controlled box that everyone was happy with. So in that semester, I did a lot of design stuff and figuring out like computer animated illustrators and stuff that I had never experienced before. And so then I went to fashion school and I had a little bit of like design credits that, that transferred. So I got to kind of like go ham on the creative, the clothing side of it. And that was super exciting to, like, understand how things are made and what seams go here and how expensive that seam is versus this seam and when you make it at certain factories or in different countries and all that stuff. So that education became invaluable for me. And at the time, I didn't think I was really learning a lot. But, like, now I'm still even recalling some of those things I learned, which is interesting to think that, like, something that I learned almost 20 years ago is actually applicable now. So... Um, that was the fashion world. And at FITM, I went to Fitham because it was California and it was only a seven-hour drive. It was like where I was allowed to place myself. It was just far enough away to where, you know, it was okay. But I, they, my parents were like, if you're going, you are cut off. This is on you. Your phone bills, your insurance, your everything, because you're choosing this. You're leaving your full ride and now you're going to have student loans. So, you know, it was like, okay, I'm choosing this. I got this. I'm going to put 100% effort into all of it. And so it, at FITM, it was a an 18-month program. And so I never took any breaks. And I finished really quickly. And at school, they were like, there's a, a costume design third-year program if you wanted to apply and go to school some more. And I was like, I don't know that I can afford it. And I really like to learn on the job. And I got so lucky and truly lucky is the word that at the time an okay and totally acceptable way to find jobs was on Craigslist. I know that is not applicable now, but that is really where you found jobs. And so I was like, you know, jobless. I just I was working at a retail store where I also was interning during school and it wasn't paying enough. And I was like, it's not really what I want to do. Where am I going to figure this out? I had like a taste of what celebrity does styling was. It didn't really like that, but I, I knew that there was like a creative storytelling side to, costume designer and wanted to figure out how to get in I was on craigslist and typing in costume designer and literally someone had posted a job three minutes before I saw it serendipitous timing and I was like hey I just graduated I could do this with you and the girl was like okay and so like in that moment I became a costume designer okay and now I'm here and she was the costume designer and I was her assistant and she was costume signing because it was her boyfriend's film She didn't really know what she was doing, and I clearly didn't know what we were what I was doing. But like, I can figure this out totally. And we were on that movie, and one of the actresses, and it became a really close friend of mine. Then became my roommate and kind of helped me. She was more prolific in the industry, helped me kind of understand what a good decision was and a bad decision was as things kept going. But the luckiest moment, besides the Craigslist ad popping up when I logged on, was that the movie turned Union. So, for those that don't understand, like the film industry, it's the catch 22 of like to work in the union, you have to be union, but to be union, you have to work union. So, like, there's no real way to get in besides working for years and trying to get on a job that flips. And the very first job that I got off of Craigslist flipped union, which does not happen to anybody. And it's incredibly not lost on me how rare and how lucky I am. And so, I got into the union at 19 years old for the very, like, on my very first thing, not really knowing anything, at the time was the youngest person in both unions in 705 and 892. One is for costumers and one is for designers. I was the youngest in both, which is crazy to be that too, because I just kept doing things really young and got in so luckily to be so young. And that's kind of how I got into costumes, not knowing anything, but being willing to do anything. So then through the union, I was able to be like, I'm available, I'm available, I'm available in any job that would come up. If somebody was super desperate, they would hire me and kind of teach me and guide me into what was happening then. And I was, again, super fortunate that at the time, Entertainment Tonight was hiring and looking for a costumer. And I got to fill in that role. And I got to work on a TV show that was on the air every single day. So it was like the industry version of a 9 to 5 because it's not going off the air. It's not a movie where it has an expiration date. Like this has been on for 30 at the time it was 30 years, you know, it's it's not forever. So it was like a fail safe for me. And they let me also take three weeks off and go do a movie here and there. So I got to like grow my resume while still having this kind of consistent fail safe behind me, which is the reason I was able to keep going because I was paying for it myself. And there's no like there's no cash of money holding me anyway, you know, saving my when I didn't have a job. So there was no like pile of cash in case I didn't work or if I didn't have a job, right. Where everybody in LA was like having brunches. I was like, if, if I go to brunch, I'm not eating. Like I, there's, there's no money there. I have to make this myself. So that was like kind of how costing started. And then I kept saying yes to everything and yes to the next thing and yes to the next thing. And actually that actress in that first film off of Craigslist that became my roommate, had worked on, on a few things, bigger things in her life and connected me to a up and coming costume designer that I got to be the assistant to her as the assistant costume designer for almost six or seven years. And we got to travel all over and the jobs just kept getting bigger and bigger. And on one of those is where I met my now husband. And, you know, like it was just really crazy how just one Opportunity and being open and saying yes has led to literally everything since then. It's pretty wild. But saying yes to all of those things, I then got the chance to work at Dancing with the Stars, which was the big
0: kahuna. After all these years, how many years were you doing? Yeah. And thank you for all that background, by the way. It's so interesting to hear you tell it in your words because I feel like I lived it, but hearing you talk about it is so great. How long were you doing these like, jobs, the entertainment tonight, the
1: Craigslist type stuff before dancing? I got officially into the union in 2006. And then Dancing with the Stars started 2012.
0: Yeah. So six years of like grinding and managing multiple things. And I just want to point out too, like, there are not many employers that would be okay with you leaving for three weeks to go do a movie because they care about your professional growth. But I would argue that you were not only really good at what you did, so they wanted to keep you around, but they also really liked you and cared about you. And I think you have this way of getting buy-in from people. They really want to see you succeed. And I think you're also good at what you do, but I think, I think that says a lot. And of course, luck plays a huge part in a lot of this stuff. Like you could have never known that, you know, that actress ended up becoming more of a thing and that she was going to be so generous and connect you with people. But I don't know. I also think that when people really succeed, a lot of the times it's because they're very likable, they're willing to do the work and they're good. And so I just want to take a minute and say like, I agree with the luck, spot on. But I also think there's this element of like, people don't take chances like that. And people don't like, you know, let you go and stop working just to support your growth. So I think that's very special. That
1: that, that means a lot. Thank you. And, and that's true. And, and I don't mean that like luck on its own did this like absolute life preparedness and openness for opportunity was what made it me able to capitalize on those things. But like, some a few times things have just landed in my lap and I've been able to then make something out of it and that is you know I hope that listeners can understand that too like even when you just have to be open to opportunity because it keeps showing up sometimes things are hidden when they're like they're disguised as opportunities but like if you're open and willing to figure out what that is you can be anything you want to be I love that okay so dancing so
0: we're we're jumping to 2012 you've been doing this Costuming stuff for a long time, and now you get this huge opportunity. Tell me about dancing, how you liked it, and
1: yeah, all of the good things. It was my first time being on a huge team where everybody was wonderful. Like, uh, there's two main designers on that, and I got to assist both of them. And one focuses on women's the women's outfits, and one focuses on men's. Daniela and Steven. and they're so brilliant and so talented. And every single costume on that show is made in six days because it's a live show. So it's made, every. we work seven days a week. So one day is a live show and the next day starts making the costumes for the next week and you've got six days to finish it and then they go live again. The rush is crazy. The creativity is off the charts and my background in dance and theater, like it all kind of like came together and it was wonderful, but it was truly like one of the most fun jobs ever. And it also was the first time that like something I worked on was alt was on television. and Everybody knew it. So it became this like moment of validity. Oh my God, that's not the word that I just said. Validation. You know what I'm trying Absolutely. To say? Yeah. But like all the people that were like, you're going to ruin your life. This is not the right choice was like, look at you all of a sudden you did it. And you're like, oh, okay. That's so great to say now that you can see the name on your television screen, you know, that makes it fine. But there was this moment where I was like, okay, I guess this is what making it is or you know like I don't know what that's supposed to feel like but it was a team it was creative it was fulfilling it was rewarding you know all those things all those boxes were checked and, and
0: it was respectful which was something you'd mentioned earlier it was like enjoyable and respectful and that that is huge to be in an environment in entertainment industry where everyone is kind supportive
1: yeah And kind and creative. I mean, it it doesn't really happen that often. And then you have also like there's a competition show with it. And so you're meeting, there's new celebrities all the time. And then the dancers are so fantastic. So like just in this world of creative and everything is yes. I think that's also an environment of yes is a big deal place for me. Like if there's a lot of no's, I'm not going to thrive. If you give us a room of yes, like, and let creatives be creative, you're going to get an incredible product. And so it was awesome to be able to be a part of that. And I did that for, I think I did six seasons. And then I got married in 2014. Shout out Jay.
0: Shout out Jay McFall when you're listening to this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we got married in 2014 and I was still on Dancing with the Stars. And then that costume designer that I was talking about that I kind of got to assist here and there calls me and is like, so I have this opportunity. It's on this new network. It's probably going to be nothing. There's not a lot of money in it that's for this, you know, like, you know, those DVDs that you mail to your house to show, it's a network called, they're trying to be a network, it's Netflix. It's probably going to be nothing, but it's their first show and it's called House of Cards and we have to go to DC. Do you want to do it? And I was like, "Um, I don't know. And I, we talked to some other friends and they were like, sounds like a career nightmare I don't know that you should do that who knows what Netflix is that's like no one's going to want to watch a television show from their couch are you kidding and there's me? no way
0: Netflix could even pivot or create any you know monumental stuff there's no way
1: it's too far in the future no no way totally they're like no consumer wants to watch a movie from their couch they want to go to the movie theater This is career suicide. And I was like, oh, okay. But we had just gotten married and we were in Maryland and my husband has family in Maryland. And we were like, I've always wanted to live on the East coast, whatever. This is going to be six months. Let's just go and have fun. He wanted a break from LA and the industry. I was like, let's just go. So I said, yes. And (laughs) the rest is history is truly like how it is. And just
0: refresh my memory. What would the name of that uh, first show be called? If anyone's ever heard of it, it's very small, very small show. Tiny show
1: called House of Guards. And it was a wild ride. And so we got to go to Maryland, which we thought was going to be for six months. We know we sublet our apartment in LA because of course we'll be back in six months. And the show obviously took off and it was crazy to be a part of and then it was like the wild wild west right netflix didn't have to report anything like a traditional cbs or abc had to and so nobody really knew how many viewers were watching but it was the entire globe in one sitting that was like the craziest experience ever and like we would go on we would research everything and make sure it was right and we would have White House consultants and secret service consultants and German consultants for when the G summit would be in Germany, right? Whatever is in in our show. And there'd be Reddit blogs later on of like the license plate on the car for the G8 summit would not be right for the technical province of Germany that it would have been. And you guys failed, like things like that. We were like, what's happening? What do you mean? So it was just a, it was a really crazy time. and. Netflix just kind of kept being like, how much money do you guys need? Sure. Go ahead. How much money do you guys need? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So we had like the creative control was from David Fincher in the beginning where like, there's no red, The, the color palette is very controlled. But once you got into like, okay, here's the world we've created. It was like, go to town. Once again, like we've hired these creatives. There's a whole lot of yes, let's do it. And it was incredible. I mean, had some lifelong friends from that. Now we've had our first two children in Baltimore, which I would have never have told you that was happening in my life and bought a brownstone and renovated it. Like it just became this interesting time in my, Jay and I's personal life, plus my career and all that stuff. And I guess that's a perfect segue into when we started becoming husband and wife entrepreneurs together because we were in Maryland and right after we us getting married, created our first company In that my husband Jay really wanted a very specific white dinner jacket to wear for our wedding. And we couldn't rent it. We kept going into these places. Nobody would give it. Like there just would like there was lots of no's. And nope, you're not gonna we don't have that, you can't have it. I was like, This is I don't work in a world of no. Like you have to create you have to find it. So how what do you mean? I went to kept going places and places, nope, can't do it, can't do it. And I was like, Well, I've got tuxedo vendors I use for TV stuff. Let's see what I can do it for. And I got the price down for less than half of what it would be to rent it and we would own it. And I was like, we can't be the first people to have this problem. This doesn't make any sense. So we did our wedding and people that were in our wedding were also getting married and they're like, Hey, will you do our wedding? Hey, will you do our wedding? Will you do our wedding? And then we did our cousin's wedding in Texas. And I distinctively remember (laughs) your mother, Erica, sitting down with me in the pool and saying, People are asking you for this. If you do not make this a business, I'm going to be so mad at you. She's
0: good at that. She loves She's a good motiv- motivational talk, Cheryl. Shout
1: out, Cheryl. <laughs> Can't I, can I have Cheryl mad at you. We better start a business now. And so we did. And that was how we started our first company. And it was called Haywood and & Ringo. And we did that in Maryland. And then once House of Cards ended in 2018... We just had our second child and we were like, yeah, I don't want to go to LA and then have nannies raise our kids. And we're both gone 14 hours a day. Let's figure out what this next part of our life looks like. And so we went to Arizona and where I'm from and where my parents still are. And I kind of came kicking and screaming and was like, I don't know that I really want to be back in Arizona. Jay loves it and was like, come on. And I said, fine, I'll give you one year and I'll give you a hundred percent effort. Anything that shows up, hundred percent effort. And, you know, having that mindset, I think of just like full openness again and creating an environment of yes, things then started to attract and fall into my lap. And with that, we were Googling like, what's the fashion community around here? We have this tuxedo company, what will we do? And uh, on another web search found that there was, they called themselves a fashion incubator in Tempe and they were accepting applications for brands. And wanted to go to the next level, essentially. And I was like, well, that's us. Let's apply. We applied and we won. We were one of three brands to accept, to win this scholarship, which was an office to work out of. Patterning help into making your next pattern and kind of like helping the business growth and maybe connections in the fashion industry. So we were like floored with it. And when we got there, they were like, um, you're doing tuxedos it's kind of a really expensive thing and most of that is done overseas did you have any other ideas and Jay my husband was like well Jessica's had this idea for 15 years and I was like you shut your mouth like that's my idea you know what I mean like you don't go telling people my ideas you know and so like him and I not talking about it before goes and tells this whole the story of what has happened to me so that story is in 2008, I think I'm still doing costume design. I'm working for at the time it was huge, huge costume designer, multi Emmy, Oscar winning designer, doing a huge. I think it was some beer brand, probably Heineken or something commercial, and we had to build costumes for weeks, and it was like elaborate and like thousands of people were in this in this commercial, and we built these like super fun kind of dance, like really showy, feathery costumes. And it was time for the fittings to start to happen. And the producers were going to come, the talent was going to come for the first time. And she's like, would you go buy the nude bras for all the talent that's coming in here, their sizes? And I was like, that's stupid. After all these amazing costumes we just built, now I have to go buy bras? Are you joking? Whatever, I go to the store, I buy what's in the store and I come back for the fitting. And in walks this dance troupe and they are from all over the world. And in my hand are... One shade of beige bras. And these women are from Africa and from Europe and from all over. And none of their skin tones match the bras in my hand. And they're wearing these like cut out beautiful costumes that you're going to see all of these things in. And so I look at these bras and I'm like, this is a nightmare. Producers were there, the talent was there, they had to have their fitting. And all you could see under these like, insane costumes was these beige bras. And the producers were pissed. They couldn't see anything. Someone had to take a fall for it. And they fired me on the spot for something that didn't exist. Like I couldn't buy anything else. And I was floored. And I couldn't unknow it now. Like now that I have this experience and this information, I had never known that this problem existed until it it was there. And... If I as a shopper was experiencing it, how many women in America were experiencing it? And it was just like this catalyst of like, as women, we're always pitted against each other. Like the bra industry is created for women and all it does is pit us against each other. This is wild. And so I knew I had to change it in two thousand and seven or eight, whenever this happened, like broke as a joke, so didn't know what to do. Then while then I we talked about dancing with the stars and what they do there. Because again, it's dance costumes and it's a live show. You can't have a nip slip or whatever. Every dance costume is built on this fabric called Power Mesh, which is like super strong and underneath every costume. And we custom dye it to everybody's skin tone. So you can't see it and there's no boob issue. So I was like, I know what to do now. I know what to make this bra out of. I know what's going to support and be comfortable. So Anyways, Jay then tells this story and I get to kind of explain what I just did. And they were like, well, now you know what you're doing with your scholarship and w- at the incubator. And we were like, oh shit, someone just gave us permission to pursue our idea. You know, sometimes all you just need is that one little bit of permission. So we were like, okay, we have an office in this basement with no windows and we locked ourselves in it, Jay and I, and we just got to town. We did, we had no name, no idea, no patterns, nothing, just like the small idea, right? Came up with the name, everything, the patterning, the business plan, the pitch deck, raising funds the tiny little bit of funds that we needed to get into the, the thing. And in our six-month incubator scholarship, it ended with a fashion show. So we went from nothing to idea to fashion show in six months with three bra styles and three underwear styles in nine different shades of nude. And it has been the craziest most exciting thing i've ever done.
0: It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I was I will say I was at the fashion show. Could not have been more beautiful. And you also a huge part of your brand I know is this body diversity and like you know you explain it much better than i because you you know you live and breathe your brand, but seeing all these beautiful models walk down, all shades, right? And all ethnicities, all sizes wider, skinnier, taller, shorter, like literally bigger boobs, smaller boobs, bigger butt, smaller butt. Like it's just, it was so powerful to watch them all in this like beautiful ombre order walking down on the fashion show. And I think it's so amazing that you've taken your experience, obviously dancing, but also all your years of costume design. And then now your creative business brains to help build this amazing, amazing business. So can you give everyone a little bit of a sneak peek of like where you guys are at now? I know, Obviously, you know, Naked Rebellion is like full-time focus. Where can people also find what you guys are doing? And like, what's the stage of the business now? Yeah.
1: So we're in year three, which is like that pivotal scale year, which is scary and exciting all at the same time. We have been focusing in wholesale this year too, which is great. So the first year was like, how do we sell to our customer? What do we do? And also in the middle of it, the pandemic hit. And what? how do we still sell bras and underwear to people that are at their house? And we got to just, you know, touch with our customer and figure out how to make our bras better and how to change our patterns and what would make sense. And we've gone through three different iterations of our bras now to make them more comfortable and exactly like more coverage, whatever women want, right? They're just getting all the feedback. And now that we've done that, we're in the wholesale world. And we're right now in, as of the middle of 2022, we are in 38 stores nationwide and Canada. And this year is only getting bigger. We have a really big national television show that I can't, that's all I can kind of say right now that we're going to be on in August, which is really exciting. So we'll have that exposure. And then we start more wholesale and we're looking for an influx of capital right now. So I'm doing pitching to investors and to other stores and all that. So you can buy us on the website right now, nakedrebellion.com. Our social media is rebellion. And, you know, the thing we're most proud of, though, at the company is this community that we've built because we get to actually look at all women and say, it does not matter what you look like or where you've been or what you weigh or anything that society is telling you, again, to fit in these boxes. Like, come sit at the table with us. Like, it does nothing else matters. We want to hear your story. We want to have you to be be seen on this platform and know that there's something comfortable for you to wear and someone listening to you and you can see yourself in this, this imagery. So creating this community where people are connecting has just been so rewarding. It's, it's so exciting.
0: I absolutely love it. Yeah. I think the comfort thing is also really huge. Like obviously as someone, you know, we talk about this endlessly. I, I can't wear something that's not soft and comfortable. They're all their clothes. It's all just about comfort and like making you feel like really your best self and not trying to push up this or do too much of that. Like if you want that, they have that for you. But a lot of it is about comfort. Okay. Well, I know we're coming up on time. I feel like it's so amazing how much more I've learned about you in this interview. Like I really feel like there's a lot of stories I did not know. And hearing you explain the timeline in your own words, like for me, it's like a little choppy. Like I know it was like this generally and then this bucket generally. But all the impetuses for the changes, I think I didn't know as well as as you explained. So last question we ask everyone is just like the one piece of advice you would give to all 20-somethings. If there's one thing that comes to mind. You've obviously shared lots of gems, but if there's one thing. Probably don't pluck your eyebrows. And (laughs) (laughs) that's what I would say to myself. Thicker eyebrows are in now, guys. Oh, Jess has great eyebrows, by the way. Your lamination stuff.
1: Oh my God, it's great. When they're done, that's pretty good. I've got a great gal. She's awesome what I would say is love your body. You got one and it's doing so many incredible things and your body is more than what it looks like. And just like honor that. And I just grew up in a, in a mindset where your body was only as good as it looked and it never looked good enough. And I wish I could like shake my older self and be like, just go like this body is taking you places. Just love it and go. And that's what I would tell everybody. That's so good.
0: You know, it's actually that really resonates and has a lot to do with what we were talking about, like Naked Rebellion, because you always have all these nude shades on the, maybe if you glance at it quickly, it reminds you of Skims, let's say. But I actually got a Skims to try on because I was going to an event and I put it on. And like, when I tell you like my body hurt, like it hurt, like it was like pushing and pulling and... And my sister, she's going to be a doctor. So she's like, takes a scientific work. She's like, your organs should not be squeezed like that. Like, that's actually really bad for you. And I remember just being like, she was like, it doesn't matter. Like what? A little extra pull, a little extra whatever. Who gives a shit? And I was like, you're so right. And I am returning them. And I think it just, it's so funny. Like, I really realized that a couple weeks ago, I went to, you know, my grandpa's birthday. And I was like, ouch this fucking hurts. Why am I doing this to myself for a little extra pull, a little extra whatever? Like, who cares? And so that also, like, especially resonates. I think also why I love Naked Rebellion so much. I'm a little biased, sorry. But it's not about squeezing and tucking and pulling. You guys have, you know, some boob tape if you want to push up a little here, a little there. But it's not about, like, making you fit into something you're not. It's about embracing who you are. And I think that's something that, especially 20-somethings, we all could do a better job of and we're learning because, like, we're young and we want to fit you know, the mold of what's pretty and cool and great. So that comment like especially resonates because I think I had like one of those moments in the past couple weeks. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm
1: glad you were able to see the other side of it. Yeah. Like as a company, we don't offer shapewear or anything to contort or disfigure your body as is. We want it to just like, as you are, is great. And if you want something to like, you know, hold you in and make you feel comfortable, we've got that, but we're, nothing's going to change the way you look because right now we love the way you look and we want you to love the way you look. And that's, that's what we're based on. And you're the
0: perfect person to, to spread that message. Well, Jess, this has been so fun. So fun. I thank you so much for coming. It's honestly such an honor. And like, I mean, obviously we've talked endlessly about this, but I'm just so proud of you. And seriously, like, it's even hearing you talk. I'm sitting here. I'm like, she's the reason I made so many of the decisions I did. Like, I was even like, I did musical theater the same way you did. Not because... No, and I didn't ever put that together. But I love the community of it. And I was always the, like, one-liner kind of joke runoff stage gal, too. And now with all this, like, business stuff. And I just... I really... I've always looked up to you. And I think as I'm getting older, I'm realizing subconsciously, all the influences you've had on me. And yeah, I've just always looked up to you. I think you're such a rock star and I'm just so grateful for you and, and grateful you gave us your time to sh- and shared your story. So thanks for coming
1: on, Jess. Thank you for having me on. I am I am so honored to be by your side through life and all of this. And I'm honored to have you you know, as a confidant and, and to have your perspective on things too. I'm so proud of you. And I love meeting your community and being able to chat with this and doing lots of good things for women together is is awesome. and, And I just love you.
0: We share the same mission. So it's just fun to get to do it together so well thank you Jess for coming on everyone go check out Naked Rebellion also if you want to see her beautiful children and her wonderful husband and all the things you can follow her on regular social media as well (laughs) she posts great content I gotta give just a plug she's always she's always on top of it great stuff but anyway thanks Jess for coming on love you love you thanks for
1: having me and I'm so honored to be able to chat with you about all the things
0: thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20 Something if you enjoyed it you can give us a follow over at Dear 20 Something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.